Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So today, we're going to talk about the other 14 characteristics. You know, over the years on this channel, I have talked about 14 characteristics of a certain ideology. I've used Lawrence Britt's work when I, when I do this. Those 14 characteristics are tangible, stuff you can see around you, the effects of this ideology, right? Now, recently I mentioned a different set, a different way of looking at it through the philosophical lens, which is Umberto Eco. There's also 14 main points there, and we're going to go over those today. Um, and you can decide whether or not they match up with anything. Okay, so the first one is that it has a cult of tradition, right? The rhetoric, the ideas, the philosophy, it's all about an appeal to the past. Back in the good old days, back when things were better, you know, the way they used to be. And if you thought about it enough and you returned to it, one day you too could make America great again. That one's really easy to see. Rejection of modernism basically means that enlightenment is bad. New ideas, new innovations, new theories are bad. You don't want a populace that is going to be ruled over to be too smart. They just need to follow orders and do what they're told. So you don't really want new ideas. You want to cling to that tradition. Three is action for action's sake. Now, this is where the leaders behave impulsively. They make decisions that sometimes don't really make any sense, but they sound good. Oh, we're having this problem here. Build a wall. Action for action's sake. Everybody knew it wasn't going to be effective. And even when they're talking about their political opposition, they demand that action for action's sake. You remember when they were calling for the president and vice president to head down to the border? They wanted to see them down there? Yes, because President Biden or Vice President Harris is incapable of reading a report. They have to physically stand on the border and take that action, action for action's sake. It's very common for people who have mistaken photo ops for actual leadership to want this. Action for action's sake. The fourth thing is that disagreement is treason. You rhino, you didn't agree with us on this infrastructure bill. You're not a real Republican traitor. What was it they were screaming about Pence again on the 6th? The fifth thing is a fear of difference. Now, more broadly, this is there's always the appeal against the intruder, right? When you're talking about these these ideologies, these regimes. Um, obviously, the disdain for immigrants falls into this. But it also applies to anybody else who's different. So people of different orientations or identities might be scapegoated because they have to have that scapegoat to unite against. Appeal 
to social frustration is number six. Now, a lot of times this is just middle-class economic anxiety, right? That is typically always there. But beyond that, there's a fear of political humiliation and the, the concern about political pressure, social pressure, from classes of people that were typically viewed as below them, those lower-class people, right? They're going to take your job. If you looked at the birth rates, you know, one day you're going to be the minority. It's there. Number seven is obsession with a plot. I mean, that should be, like, super obvious. Think about any theory involving a letter of the alphabet or the way they look at the election or the public health issue or anything. Obsession with a plot. Everybody's out to get them, right? The eighth thing is that the enemy is both too strong and too weak at the same time. You snowflakes who are simultaneously involved in an international conspiracy to undermine the very fabric of the country. Can't work a can opener, but you're doing that, right? Too strong and too weak. Nine is that pacifism is the enemy. And the reason this is the case is because life has to be a struggle. You have to stay united against whatever manufactured opposition is presented. So you always have to be on guard. You have to be outraged every day. You've got to get those two minutes of hate. Number 10 is contempt for the weak. People that would constantly kick down. Those who just can't handle it. You know, that's how it's presented. Welfare queens. You know, stuff like that. That's been there in the United States for a very long time because even outside of this ideology, the, the desire to keep the classes separate in this country, that's, that's always been there. There's always been the push to kick down. Um, number 11 is that everybody's a hero. There's a culture surrounding heroism, even if it's not really heroic. And you see this a lot, too. Oh, what's that? You got fired because you didn't get vaccinated? Heroes. Heroes for the cause. Whatever the cause may be, it doesn't matter. But you loudly proclaim them to be heroes. Then you have uh, number 12 is machismo and weaponry. It's the United States. Weaponry is a given. Um, that's been there forever. But then that macho attitude... That's kind of been there, too. And there's a lot of that that has existed for years. But if you want to tie it into a new political movement, how many of these people are currently talking about renewed masculinity? And a fear that certain things will make the military weak and not macho enough, not masculine enough. Then 13 is selective populism. Now, this occurs when you have a bunch of people in an information silo. Say they only get their information from one news channel. Or they fall into an information silo on the web where each website just reinforces the others, right? Then it seems 
as though that vocal minority is actually representative of the entire country. And then once that happens, they can say that anybody who doesn't believe the way they do, well, they're not real Americans or whatever country this happens to be taking place in, right? Because disagreement is treason. And then the 14th one is that they love the uneducated. I mean, there's actually a quote, something about somebody loving the uneducated. Um, The reason for that, again, is that you don't want an intelligent populace if you're trying to be authoritarian. You want them to be less educated. You don't want them to have the tools for complex thought. You want to reduce things down to meme level. Let's go. Just chants, slogans, bumper sticker mentality. These are the 14 characteristics as presented by Umberto Eco. Now, I know because it matches up so well, somebody's going to say, well, he just made that list up to match, match the great MAGA movement. This was made in 1995. Um, now, the interesting part about it is if you never watched the other videos on 14 characteristics using Lawrence Britt's work, it matches up just as well. Two different sets with 14 characteristics each, and they match up this well with one group, with one political movement. And both lists are examining the same type of ideology. That's probably not a coincidence. Both lists were made prior to the Make America Great movement existing almost like they used them as a road map. With everything going on, I think that this is one of those things that Americans need to become very familiar with. Because you still have the idea that it can't happen, in, can't happen here, when in reality, it is happening here, right now in front of our eyes. This, it's a real thing. It can't be pushed to the side. Certainly, there are some politicians, some pundits, who use that rhetoric, calling the Republicans that. Use it as a, as a tool, just a way to inflame. I'm sure it's happening, but the reality is, when you look at the works that have tried to identify the characteristics that all of those regimes shared, and you compare it with the current state of the Republican Party, they all match up. And they were all made before this movement was even founded. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day.